The wait for Game of Thrones Season 7 is almost over. And we're just getting started talking about the Road to Westeros podcast series, episode number three, all about Danny. And I'm Rob Sestrino. Very excited to be back with the greatest dragon of podcasting. That is Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, an appropriate comparison, considering I haven't brushed my teeth yet, so my breath probably smells like a fiery dragon right now. Yes, okay. Very gross. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing that these are not a smell-o-listen podcast. <laughs> yes, it's a good thing. Good thing. I don't know who wants that, but maybe one day some magic will be able to uh, make that be a possibility. And Josh, here we are talking about our preview series for Game of Thrones Season 7, and we're going to discuss everything Daenerys Targaryen today. Oh, my God. She's here. She's finally here. Like, forget the fact that winter is here, Rob. Danny is in Westeros. That is a much bigger deal to me than some, you know, pesky snowflakes. We've seen <laughs> snow before on Game of Thrones. You know, we've seen a lot of Jon Snow. Are you calling the Stark snowflakes? Snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do think that that's uh, I think I think that there are a lot of people that would call John and his posse snowflakes. Uh, I think that 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 would take on a derogatory term, of course. Yeah, I think Alistair Thorne uh, might have called uh, John a snowflake at one point. Yeah, and some sort of supercut once upon a time, potentially. Yeah. Anyway, so we have a lot to get to here on the third part of our podcast series, all leading us up to the Game of Thrones premiere coming up on July 16th. Make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts by subscribing. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. Uh, still four more preview episodes uh, after today, and then we'll get into our first Sunday Night Recap coming Coming up right after the episode on the 16th. And so, Josh, could you just set up Danny and the team that she has assembled? Uh, some are saying it is a dream team that Danny has assembled headed to Westeros. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Avengers would be blushing in comparison. You know, I think that Daenerys has really wrangled together quite a squad uh, over the course squad of goals. really her entire squad goals, for sure. Over the course of her her run on the show, you know, she has been accumulating allies all along the way. I think the, the most exciting one, and this guy has been in her corner for a while, is Tyrion. You know, Tyrion is currently serving as the, the Hand of the Queen for Danny's Queen's Guard. That's very exciting. Varys is in the mix as well. So as far as like strategic advisors go, I think she's got the top two picks on the draft board here of all the Game of Thrones characters. Hey, let me just jump in with uh, in terms of those two guys because uh, I'm very excited to see them back in action because I think we both agreed that it was sort of a down year for the Tyrion and Varys tag team coming out of season six that those guys did not have a lot to do last season. Yeah, anytime you get those two characters in the same space together, you are in for a good scene. Like, I just think that Peter Dinklage and Conleth Hill, who play those two characters, are just so fantastic as Tyrion and Varys, uh, ever since they first uh, engaged each other in season two. And Tyrion has talked about Varys as, like, one of the only people he can trust and how he is one of the shrewdest players of the game. And these guys have had a lot of mutual adoration and respect and, uh, and affection for each other. 
each other over the seasons. And now that they are firmly on board with each other, they are firmly on the same side. That's exciting. That is a really, really exciting prospect as we push forward into season seven. Uh, and it's also that, you know, Varys, who's a guy who operates within the shadows and really specializes in secrets and spies and his little birds and all of that. I think that that's a great network that could be really beneficial for Danny. But what's more is Varys doesn't have to hide who he is, uh, who he is siding with anymore. I think at this point, Varys has made it pretty clear. I mean, that final shot of season six of Tyrion and Varys, both on the boat with Danny, like Varys is letting his Targaryen freak flag fly and he is no longer holding back. So that's going to be a really exciting side of Varys to see in season seven. Yeah, I love uh, the two of them together. They have so many great scenes back in season two. Uh, you had said in, I think, the first episode of uh this series that uh see when we're talking about season five you said that either that or season two could be the weakest but all of the stuff with especially with Tyrion at king's landing especially with varus is uh the best stuff in that season yeah i think so other than you know the whole blackwater thing that was pretty pretty yeah, i'm including that as part of uh Tyrion yeah, varus sure. king's landing uh in season two yeah. Yeah. So that'll be great. So that's really fun. So those characters are firmly in place on Team Targaryen. In terms of like bigger picture stuff, you have the allies that she's had for a long time now. She's got the Dothraki in her corner. She won a big swath of the Dothraki back to her side in season six. Uh, that was really the big thrust of the early going of season six for Danny. And she's got the unsullied too. So she's amassed quite the force. Yeah. And also she has these alliances that she's been able to uh, forge here in season six uh, with the Greyjoy uh, contingent that uh, ended up fleeing Pike uh, with all those ships. And then uh, Dorne. Yeah, she's got Dorne. She's got Highgarden as well. So, I mean, imagine that, Rob. We've got Lady Olena, Varys, and Tyrion are all firmly on the same side. Like, forget Yara and Theon. Forget Alaria Sand and the Sand Snakes. That's fine. That's good. That's great. You've got the Queen of Thorns is now Team Targaryen with Tyrion and Varys. And I don't think that we've seen the Queen of Thorns and Danny together yet, but that's going to be an incredible scene whenever we get to that as well. So just having the Queen of Thorns on this side, and she is, you know, we've always loved Lady Olena, but right now she's got nothing to lose because she just lost all of the heirs apparent to Highgarden. So the future of Highgarden is very much in flux now that Marjorie and Loras are both dead. Uh, and Loras has gone the way of the Iron Fist, if you have not heard yet, Rob. Mm -hmm. uh, Lady, Lady Olena, she's got nothing to lose now. And I think having such a great dynamic character already, just as her baseline being somebody who also has no Fs left to give and being on the right side of history here with Danny and with Tyrion and with Varys, I think that that that's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see what that looks like with Lady Elena with this crew. And by the way, Rob, before we uh, push forward, I, I suppose we should mention that Danny has three other, like, you know, kind of insignificant allies, but maybe worth mentioning dragons. You know, dragons. she's got three dragons yeah. on her side. Big ass growing dragons, and growing. right. Big ass dragon. Well, let's not talk about their posterior. <laughs> you know, let's not talk about the those dragon derrieres, derriere Targaryen. Uh, but yeah, they are large, large and growing larger, and uh, capable of breathing massive amounts of fire upon all of the people that stand in Danny's way. So, you know, what's what is what what can possibly stop Danny from just you know rolling into Westeros and winning this whole? Well, thing? Well, that's the question you raised in our notes for this edition of the podcast. Of what could go wrong for Daenerys? How could Danny 
lose. And I would say on the surface, I think it is difficult to think of who could stop them. If her goal is King's Landing, if her goal is to come for that Iron Throne, the Lannister forces are spread so thin and the state of King's Landing is in uh, such disrepair after everything that we saw from the season six finale. What fight could Cersei muster up to Danny? That's one of the biggest questions that I have coming into season seven is how does, you know, how does the conflict between Cersei and Daenerys last more than an episode? Mm-hmm. You know, when you think, when you lay it out and when you lay out everything that Danny has in her corner versus everything that Cersei has in hers and the fact that there is a third army to consider in terms of Jon Snow and everybody in the north. But push comes to shove, whose side are they going to be on? They will they will align with Danny fairly swiftly if it means getting vengeance against the Lannisters, I think. So really the question, you know, and it's something we'll tackle in a future podcast is like, what can the Lannisters do to win? Like they really seem outmatched here. But the thing is, there's 13 episodes left of Game of Thrones. And if it was as straightforward as Danny just rolling into the Seven Kingdoms and, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, a total Targaryen conquest that happens really, really quickly, you wouldn't even need 13 episodes episodes for that to happen so something has to give you know something has to come in the way of danny's success here and it's just kind of hard to picture what that's going to be unless it's the white walker conflict is something that really catches danny's attention and given how powerful those creatures are north of the wall even having all of these allies in her corner even having all of these forces on her side even having three massive fire breathing dragons in her side of things i don't know if that is a fair fight against these massive ice zombies and monsters that can come back from the dead and have magic on their side so that to me seems like the thing that is likeliest to derail the danny cause what about you what do you think what could take danny down the thing that seems like it's so unfair in this fight is that daenerys has these dragons and even in terms of the threat posed by uh the knight's king and the white walkers In my mind, it just feels like, oh, okay, well, the dragons could just fly up there and nuke those guys, and that could potentially just be the end of the threat. But the thing that I think might actually really complicate things is, what if something were to happen to the dragons? Mm, Like the guys from Karth just come back and they just like take the dragons again. It's like, oh. Damn it, we're doing this again. Not necessarily. Like we're, we're, dealing with the, we're dealing with the warlocks again. Right. Uh, could they be taken? Could there be magic used to uh, render them sort of useless? Or, you know, the dragons died out once before. Is there some sort of countermeasure that could be taken to uh, make the dragons a moot point? Certainly, there is a, you know, to speak of moots, we can go and start looking at the king's moot of season six of that whole thing that went on at the Iron Islands where Yara is trying to become the the queen of the Iron Islands and Euron Greyjoy steps up and becomes the king of the Iron Islands. And he was kind of a, a lower key character in season six than I was expecting going into that season. He is somebody who, uh, as he's being written in the books, is very sinister. Uh, 
potentially has his finger in a, his fingers in a few magical pots. Uh, there's possibility of him bringing some dark sorcery into the mix here. And I think that that has been underplayed on the show, but he's somebody who is really still got an ax to grind against Yara Greyjoy and Theon by extension. And that score has not been settled just because Yara and Theon have taken a lot of Greyjoy ships and have really taken control of a big portion of the Ironborn fleet doesn't mean that Euron doesn't have some things in his side. What's more is he has claimed to have this dragon horn, you know, this horn that could potentially control dragons and potentially that could be in the mix here as well. If you're thinking about, could there be some sort of about face for the dragons? It could stem from the Euron Greyjoy side of things. I mean, how devastating would it be if something were to happen to the dragons? Because I just feel like that that is the trump card in terms of beating back uh, the threat from the Night's King. Right. If the dragons were taken off the board in some way or incapacitated, suddenly that's terrifying. It's horrifying. It's a that's a very scary prospect to consider. And I think, you know, unfortunately, I think it's also a likely thing to consider. I think that you you do have to look at the dragons as Danny's most major source of power. You know, she can have all the allies that she wants, and that's going to be very, very helpful. But really her her biggest asset literally in terms of size uh and in terms of mystique and in terms of you know you know sort of her magical reputation of of being the mother of dragons if you cut that out from her i think that that's a really difficult thing uh and i i think you know i've talked a lot about how i feel like with the wall and this is something that a lot of game of thrones fans feel uh is you know you don't introduce like a massive wall of magical ice into the universe of game of thrones and that's the only thing that is standing between the white walkers and the greater westeros if that thing isn't going to come down at some point and i still feel that way about the wall that i still feel like the wall will go away at some point whether that's here in season seven or at some point in season eight closer to the end of the of the whole show and i think similarly i don't know that i've voiced that out loud but probably with the dragons you're probably looking at the same thing whether all three of them are going to go or one or two of them are going to go at some point or if they are somehow going to be converted to another cause through magical properties or whatever i feel like that's probably in the offing i don't know if it's in the offing here in season seven or if that would be a season eight deal but i do think that that's a good call that something is going to happen to at least one or two of the dragons if not all three and that could really change the tide of things and that would be a very very scary prospect indeed so the show hasn't spent a lot of time uh on this but certainly uh the books i that from my understanding has spent more time on the horn of winter in terms of that being something that could potentially bring uh, the walls down. But there's a dragon horn also. Yeah, yeah. So, so Euron in the book has uh, something that's called the Dragon Binder. Uh, the Hell Horn is another name for it that allegedly has the power to control dragons. Honestly, my memory of it from season six, I can't remember if it was introduced in season six or not, but it's certainly an ingredient from the books that is lurking out there that I wonder if it would make its way onto the show and if that could be something that could be used. It's a, it's basically a magical artifact that is uh, made partially from an actual dragon horn, has some Valyrian uh, steel know-how going involved with it as well. And that could be something that could really come into play here. If they, if the show wants to make a big, deal out of Euron moving forward. Okay. Yeah, that would be a game changer. That would be a game changer. It'd be a game changer for sure. That would complicate things. 
That'd be tough. That'd be difficult. That would yeah. be that'd be a hard thing to to overcome. It might be just kind of like a random element to introduce this late into the game as well, though. So that might be a little frustrating to see that coming into play here so late into Game of Thrones. But I really I I don't know. There's there's gotta be there's gotta be something that's coming in the way of the dragons. Otherwise, it really just does seem like Danny's just gonna be able to march all over whoever she wants, which would be fun. Like if the next thirteen episodes are literally just like Danny just like individually like squashing all of her enemies, like that would be that would be kind of amazing. But you gotta <laughs> imagine it's gonna be a little bit harder than that, I think. Yeah, it's just not this show. So uh we have to expect uh, at least adversity uh in the short term for uh these characters as they deal with everything here in season seven uh anything else you want to discuss in terms of uh danny's saga this season uh what's going on with uh with jory do you think that we go back to see him that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah i mean the the whole grayscale thing uh is kind of still in the air and who knows what that is gonna do you know danny commanded jorah to go out into the world and find the cure for grayscale uh and i don't think that you just introduce that into the show without any sort of plans for following it up i don't know where that leaves jorah I think it'd be fun to see Jorah show up in Old Town, maybe, and maybe he crosses paths with Samwell Tarly, and mm-hmm. somehow they're able to figure out the grayscale thing together, and then they join their causes with whatever investigations, uh, you know, whatever Sam turns up in his investigations into things over at, at the Citadel, and Jorah kind of becomes his personal bodyguard to get him safely to wherever they need to go next. I think that Jorah is a great character when you pair him with the right people, uh, Uh, Him and Tyrion together, that was incredibly fun. And I feel like matching Jorah and Samwell together would be really great. So uh, fingers crossed. Let's just try and will that into existence because I think that would be really great to see on Game of Thrones season seven. Yeah, I think that that would be fun to have Sam with somebody uh, who maybe would maybe a sympathetic ear in uh, in Jorah. He's a romantic, right? He is. Yeah, I think that he would help him out with everything going on with Gilead. Give him like some good advice, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he could be really a real uh, necessary badass paternal figure in Sam's life. I think that Sam could uh, really benefit from that. And of course they would have uh, a lot of, um, you know, stories to share with Sam having spent some time with uh, Jorah's father, the late Jor Mormont. So mm-hmm. that could be fun. That could be fun to get those guys together. Josh coming up in our next part of this preview series, we're going to look at this from the opposite side of things. And we're going to take a look at what's going on in King's landing. How could Cersei potentially beat back this threat that is a looming over her that she's just gotten to the Iron Throne. But bad news, Cersei, uh, that there is a lady with dragons headed your way with a big army in the trailer for Game of Thrones season seven. You see Cersei talking about I've enemies to the west of me, enemies to the north of me, to the south of me, to f- coming from the east. They're everywhere. Enemies everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And uh, she already killed so many of her enemies. So just like everybody is an enemy for Cersei Lannister. Yeah, that's the thing about enemies, that every time you kill one, more pop up in its place. It's like Hydra. Yeah, that's exactly like that. All right, so uh, looking forward to uh, talking about uh, the amazing Cersei Lannister coming up in our next part. You want to make sure you don't miss that by subscribing to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And uh, we really appreciate it when you blow the star ratings horn and then leave us star ratings and feedback in the iTunes store. That would be nice. We would like that. Take control of our Stark ratings, please.
Yes, we appreciate that. And that does help more and more people find the show here at the start of any given season. That's at postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. Make sure you're following uh, Josh Wiggler on Twitter as well. He is at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sisterino. Josh, any final thoughts today? Um, no, just uh, I'm officially Team Targaryen and I can't wait to see uh, Danny just uh, destroy people with dragon fire. And I can't wait to have her in Westeros. It's crazy that Daenerys Targaryen is finally going to be in Westeros here. I, it's, it's almost hard to picture what that's going to look like because she's been so far removed from the main narrative for so long that to finally have her here and like possibly interacting with Jon and the Lannisters and all of these characters to see Danny in winter. It's going to be really fun. I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it was exciting when she just met Tyrion a couple seasons ago. I know, ago. exactly. Like, that was so electric, that one scene that's a imaginer with so many more of these characters. You know, like a Danny and Sansa scene or a Danny and Arya scene even. There's just so many different possibilities. So to have her really drawn in tight into the mix of the story here, I think, is an awesome, awesome thing. One of the big critiques I think that's fairly valid of Game of Thrones was just like, Man, I really love uh, the Khaleesi. I love the Mother of Dragons, but hurry up with the storyline. Get to Westeros, please. And that complaint is off the board. She's coming to Westeros. It is known. Unless, like, I don't know, her boat, like, breaks in the middle of the the travel across the Narrow Sea and, like, she spends, like, three episodes shipwrecked, which would be god-awful <laughs> yeah that'd be that'd be the worst thing possible <laughs> all right well looking forward to talking about cersei and king's landing coming up in our next part take care everybody have a good one bye 